Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his, of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants for ever. His kingdom will never end. How, would this, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be, to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and she gave him the name Jesus. Good morning, everybody. So we've heard the accounts of Mary and Joseph's angelic encounters. God invited each of them to be part of his story. We're going to reflect today on what that meant for them and how God also calls us individually and as a church community to be part of his story. So let's begin with Mary. The Bible tells us she was betrothed 
that is a binding legal commitment to marry, but that she was still a virgin. In her song of praise to God in Luke chapter two, she refers to her humble beginnings. Although we aren't told much about her in scripture, we can make certain assumptions about her from what is known of the culture of the time. I found this article by someone called Robert Maloney that tells us a bit more about how Mary would probably have been. He says, most likely Mary was born in Nazareth, a tiny Galilean town of about 1600 people during the reign of Herod the Great, who was a violent puppet king propped up by the Romans. Mary spoke Aramaic with a Galilean accent. She belonged to the peasant class, which eked out its living through agriculture and small ventures like carpentry, the profession of both Joseph and Jesus. In Palestine at that time, women ordinarily married at about 13 years of age in order to maximise childbearing and to guarantee their virginity. So it's likely that Mary's espousal to Joseph and the birth of Jesus occurred when she was still very young. It would be a mistake to think of Mary as fragile, even at 13. As a peasant woman capable of walking the hill country of Judea while pregnant, of giving birth in a stable, of making a four or five day journey on foot to Jerusalem once a year and engaging in daily hard labor at home, she probably had a robust physique. She would have had features like those of Jewish and Palestinian women today, most likely with dark hair and dark eyes. It's doubtful that she knew how to read and write since literacy was extremely rare among women at the time. So God chooses this ordinary, very young girl and by sending an angel with an amazing message, invites her to be part of his story. In the Gospels, the genealogy of Jesus is traced through Joseph and Joseph's ancestors, as you would expect in a traditional patriarchal society. But God honours Mary as an individual with her own desires and choices and treats her with a respect that would have been uncommon for a young girl in the society she lived in. Ian and I and our family lived in Pakistan for a few years and our youngest son, Ben, was born while we were there. I've brought his um, birth certificate along to show you. So this is Ben's birth certificate written in Urdu. Uh, we had to get it translated uh, before we could get his British passport. But what both amuses and frustrates me about this um, birth certificate is that in Pakistan, which is still a traditional patriarchal society, I, as the baby's mother, am named fourth on the birth certificate. The baby's name comes first, yep, fair enough. Then the father, well, yeah, just about okay. But next comes the baby's paternal grandfather, who was 5,000 miles away when Ben was born. And finally, coming up fourth, I get a mention the one who had conceived and carried him and given birth to him. So within a society very similar to that, it's significant that Mary is named. She's not an anonymous woman. It's significant that God asks her permission, invites her to be in the story rather than commanding her. And notice in what the angel said to Mary, that the angel comes to Mary before she is conceived. And I believe that she could have said no, it's also significant that God asked Mary first. It was her decision first, not her fiancé's. Mary is personally invited by God via the angel Gabriel into God's story 
And despite her bewilderment and her concerns, she says a clear yes to God. So let's think for a few moments about Joseph. The Bible tells us that Joseph was a just man and unwilling to put Mary to shame. God chose this man to act as the father of Jesus, a simple man, but a good, brave, faithful man who took up risks and responsibilities he could reasonably have refused. A man who believed God and believed what seemed Mary's unlikely story and staked his own life, prosperity, safety and reputation on that belief. You may have heard Joseph's song by Michael Card, which describes some of the complex emotions that Joseph faced. It goes like this. Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? So God invited Mary and Joseph individually into his grand story. I believe either or both of them could have said no, but they said yes. Their yes to God brought them into the centre of God's story. God's grand drama begins before creation, flows down through thousands of years of the biblical record, on down through 20 centuries to our own time, eventually culminating in the new heaven and new earth described in the book of Revelation, when God will wipe away tears, wipe out death, mourning and pain, recreating everything as it was originally meant to be. Mary and Joseph's yes made them pivotal in that grand eternal drama of God, but it also cost them. It cost them reputation, it probably cost them friends and family as the scandal of the divine pregnancy was whispered around the village with heavy irony. It could have cost Mary her prospect of marriage and even her life, as punishments for non-marital sex could be extremely harsh. It's possible that things were so difficult for them that Joseph was compelled to take Mary with him on the long journey to Bethlehem for the census in order to keep her safe from attack in their hometown. Their yes to God was why they became refugees, fleeing to a foreign land to protect their young son from murder. And we have people here in our Breton Baptist community whose yes to Jesus has made life so dangerous for them that they, like Jesus, have become refugees. Mary and Joseph's yes to God leads to years of bewilderment about the strange behaviour of their beautiful son and eventually to the heartbreak of seeing him publicly tortured and executed. If they had known all that, would they have said yes? But if they had said no, they would have missed out on being part of God's plan. We would never have heard of them. They would not have stopped God's purposes. No doubt God would have continued his plan through another couple. We're going to watch a short video now about the unlikely people, the outsiders, that God calls into the centre of his story in the Christmas narrative. Welcome into the Christmas story. 
The Christmas story is full of unlikely characters. Those on the edges keep finding themselves at the centre of the action. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and said, Don't be afraid. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Teenage mother, fatherless child, welcome into the story. Joseph was a good man and did not want to embarrass Mary in front of everyone, so he decided to quietly call off the wedding. The broken-hearted with shattered dreams. Welcome into the story. Mary and Joseph went to register in Bethlehem. Mary gave birth. She laid him in a manger because there was not lodging available. In a backwater town from nowhere special. Welcome into the story. Angels appeared to shepherds living out in the fields. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The overlooked and excluded, working to make ends meet. Welcome into the story. Far away, scholars were watching the skies. The star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped where the child was. Hopeful travellers looking for answers. Welcome into the story. From the first Christmas to today, Jesus turns the world outside in. Everyone is included. Everyone is invited. Welcome into the story. Do we find ourselves there in that video? These were some of the key words. Teenage mother, fatherless child, welcome into the story. The brokenhearted with shattered dreams, welcome into the story. The overlooked and excluded working to make ends meet, welcome into the story. Hopeful travellers looking for answers, welcome into the story. God calls each of us into his story. Like Mary and Joseph, there's nothing special or remarkable about us. It's being included in God's story that makes us significant. Some of us in the church use a daily prayer app called Lectio 365. And I want to share a couple of things that were on there a few weeks ago about who God calls into his story, who the significant players are in that story. One was from a novel called The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis, who you probably know for writing the Narnia books. In that story, the narrator dreams of a procession in heaven celebrating an unknown woman, one of the great heroes of our faith. She is so beautiful in heaven, the narrator cannot capture her appearance in words. He asks his guide who the woman is and guesses at the names of some well-known Christians. Not at all, the guide replies. It's someone you'll never have heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith and she lived at Golders Green. The narrator replies, she seems to be, um, well, a person of importance. Aye, he said, Sarah is one of the great ones. Fame in this country and fame on earth are two quite different things. 
And who are all these young men and women on each side of her, he asked. They are her sons and daughters, he replied. Every young man or boy that Sarah met became her son, even if it was only the boy that brought the meat to her door. Every girl she met was her daughter. It's like when you throw a stone into a pool and the wave spread out further and further. Who knows where it will end? Sarah Smith in that novel was invited by God into his story and she played a key role, mostly unobserved on earth, but known and valued in the eyes of heaven. Then there was another story on Lectio 365, a true one this time, about a man called Alfonso Rodriguez, born in Spain in the 16th century. Alfonso had a tough life and felt like a failure. He had to leave school with little education due to the death of his father. Later, his wife and all three of his children died too. Looking for a new direction in life, he tried to join a monastery, but was considered too old and uneducated to become a priest. He was sent to a Jesuit college on Mallorca, where he served as a doorkeeper for the rest of his life, never promoted, never made a priest. But Alphonsus turned doorkeeping into a sacred duty, and every time the doorbell rang, he would say, I'm coming, Lord, and would welcome the visitor as Christ himself. Over the years, he served countless young priests who had been granted the privileges denied to him. He supported them and encouraged them into ministry and world-changing mission. Eventually, after his death, the church recognised the patient, humble service of Alphonsus, which had released many others into more public roles. So here was another man who said yes when God called him into his story, even though that story was difficult and unglamorous. So what about us? Life may have broken our hopes and dreams, but God continues to call us into his story. We may feel that we've already messed things up too much for God to want us, but God continues to call us into his story. We may feel too young, too old, too weak, too unqualified, but God continues to call us into his story. And it is, it is as part of God's great story that our lives have real meaning and significance. And as I thought about God calling us like Mary and Joseph into his story, I was reminded of some words that really impacted me a few years ago. Um, and I would like to share those with you. They're from an American preacher called Louis Giglio. Louis was talking about prayer and he suggests that the purpose of prayer and of our lives as a whole is to glorify the name of Jesus. And then he says these words about choosing to be part of God's story that I found so powerful that I listened to the CD over and over and, and wrote them down. So Louis said, I want to glorify your name, Jesus. That's my heartbeat. I just want to glorify your name in my life. We lose our lives when we live our lives for ourselves, but we find life when we live life for God's fame. You have a choice. You can have a starring role in the little tiny story of you, 
And when that story is over and the applause fades, it's over and it ends. Or you can have a supporting role, any role. Thank you, God, for any part in the grand drama of God. And Louis says, I want to be in that story. I want to use my life, my gifts, my opportunities, my talents, my resources, my moments for his fame. And I'll tell you why, because he is the only one who is famous and anything else is a deceptive lie. There is just one name that is sung in heaven and if I feel or live any differently, I'm losing the joy of heaven. And Louis continues, I want my life to find its meaning as it amplifies that one name that is going to be sung forever. And if my life amplifies that one name, then my life will matter forever because my life has been forever in the applause of Jesus. You can live for any other applause you want to, go for it, but you better enjoy every ounce of it because when the story is over and the last clap has been clapped, you're done. But if you let your life fold into his applause, you have ensured that your life will never end because his applause will never end. God invites each of us to choose to play a role in the grand drama of God, as Louis called it. He invites us, as he invited Mary and Joseph, into his story. No qualifications are required, just a sincere yes to his invitation. Our role may be difficult. It will most likely be mundane rather than glamorous. But even the smallest role in God's story matters more than we can understand. Some of us may be just beginning to explore what it means for us to be in God's story. Or we may have said yes to God many years ago and somehow lost the plot of the story over the years. Some of us may be plodding faithfully on, feeling that our page in the story is boring and irrelevant and wishing that we were in a more dramatic chapter. Wherever we are, as we move into this Christmas season, God invites each of us again this morning to say a simple but costly yes to him. And as we say yes to him, he will show us, as he showed Mary and Joseph, the part he wants us to play in his story. Amen.